Man, that, that phrase, when we begin to really think about that, to really think about what we're seeing, a lot of times we just sing, but when we really begin to think, God, when, when I don't understand, when waves crash and the tempest, the tempest roar, and man, when things just don't go as planned in our lives, I, I choose to worship. I choose to trust you. I choose to believe that you work all things together for the good to them who love you and are called according to your purpose. I choose to believe, just like the scripture says, that I was once old, young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. I choose to believe that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my rock and my refuge and my fortress. My fortress. I choose to believe that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, if you don't know what to believe this morning, he's given you his word for you to stand on, lean on, live in, and to cling to. You can trust him. You can trust him. I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to ask God to bless his word. Father, there's really no need for me to ask you to bless it, but because you have blessed it, you've given it to us, and Lord, you are awesome. Lord, I know we throw that word around about everything, Lord. Our new shoes are awesome, our cars are awesome, movies are awesome, but Lord, you, you stir in us a sense of awe, a sense of majesty, a sense of glory, and you are awesome. So I pray this morning as we dive together as a family into the book of Philippians chapter 1, that you would stir our affections even more to know you and to see you in the text, to follow you and to love you. We we're glad you're ours this morning. We're glad that you chose us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Philippians. Chapter 1. And we're going to start today in verse 21. I'll just go ahead and let you know from the first service, when I was preparing for this sermon, when I was thinking through this sermon, um, I was really excited, like I, I'm, the whole, actually the way to church this morning, I was just talking about how it, like the, the, I was excited about the sermon because the text really just kind of came to life and there were some things that God just dropped on my heart and kind of a download, if you will, just kind of blew up. It's like the Lord planted some seeds in my heart and they just kind of sprang to life when I was reading this text and as I preached it in the 930 service, um, it was very broken and very heavy and weighty. So I just say put your waiters on in case it gets deep this morning. It might, it might get real. Philippians 1.21. Let's read. For to, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, that in me you might have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's key in on this verse together as we continue reading. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
so that whatever, whenever I come, whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. We're about to wrap up. Hang with me. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. Engage in the same, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I know when I read that, uh, when I say that, that... It's been granted to us to believe in him, not only to believe, but to suffer for his name's sake. Some of you sitting this morning, you've been here the last three weeks, you say in your mind and your heart, TJ, please, not another Sunday about suffering. And we're not going to talk about it this morning. But I want you to go back with me to verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. One theologian in his notes said this was a clear indication that the sum of Paul's life was Jesus. Now you could add everything up in Paul's life, his, his study, his work, his habits, and the sum of his life was Jesus. The period on the end of his life, the exclamation point on the end of his life was Jesus. The, the theme, the attitude, the direction was Jesus. The hope the peace that he had in unsure circumstances was Jesus. He said, for me to live, and I want us to key in on this together. We're about to dive into notes. If you're taking notes this morning, just jot this down at the top of your paper. Maybe, maybe type this into your iPhone or your iPad. If you're texting somebody, shoot this text to them and tell them what you're going to say. And just put this, is Christ. Just put that, is Christ. I want to key in on this. Because Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And I want you to understand what he was saying. He wasn't just saying, for me, what do you mean, Paul? What, to, to live is Christ. You mean is, to live is like Christ? No, listen, Scripture says that we are therefore ambassadors. And I've said this verse, one of my favorite verses, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Meaning that God in his sovereign plan chose men and women to be the vehicle that carried the gospel to the nations. In our country, if we want to send a representative of our country or a representative of our president, if our president, if he's busy and needs to send someone in his place, he will send an ambassador, someone who will speak on our behalf as a country. Listen, you are ambassadors for Christ. You are the personal representation. You are the men and women, the boys and girls that God has chosen to walk from death to life, from poverty and sin in your spirit to vitality and life in the supernatural. He has called you to be an ambassador. To be the fingerprint of God on creation. And, and you've heard me say that before, but that, that, that's where Paul's coming from. He says, for me to live is Christ. Because the Spirit of Christ lives in me, because the Holy Spirit of God has completely consumed my life, I am no longer my own. I am Christ. I am Christ's. Not Christ, not I am Christ. But because I'm His, for me to be here is for Him to have a personal, active representation. As Paul was writing to the church, for me to live is Christ. And this is where we're just going to dive off the deep end. This morning, in your job, in your family, in your friendships, 
in your social media activity, in your emails, in your clubbing, in your, uh, your hangouts, whatever you do, can the statement be hung as a banner over your life for me to live is Christ? Can we, can we hang that banner? Listen, I, when I, I, read, I was teaching the 930 service, I said, man, I'm teaching this, and I feel the conviction because when I look at this, I think there's so many times in my life that, that, that I can't add TJ, for TJ to live in this moment is Christ because so many times for TJ to live is for TJ to live. Especially if somebody cuts me off in traffic. I know I always use that, but man, that's the moment, right? TJ comes alive. For me to live in that moment is not Christ. Christ is our substitute. He's our heart's pursuit. He's our, he's our mediator. He's our patient master. Not only all of those things, though. Hear this. Christ this morning is our example. When Paul said, for me to live is Christ, he knew that he was the example to the church and Christ had been the example to him. For him to live is Christ. Listen, Christ is your example. And this is my question today. In your work, can you say this? And we're going to walk through four things together. Can you say this? For me to work is Christ. When I show up on the job, when I show up and I, I, I meet my coworkers, me and my buddies are hanging out with me, you know, when I, the way that I serve my boss, the way that, I, that I, I work at this company, for me to work is Christ. I work with all my might so that people might see Christ in me. You say, TJ, where are you going? Listen to this, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for me. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I'm asking you this morning. I told you, man. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, we're hope. Right? It's heavy. I'm asking you this morning. I want us to do life together. I want us to iron sharpen iron. I want us to grow in our faith. So I'm asking you, when you go to work, do you go to work as a personal representation of Christ? Are you there just for the money? Are you there just to punch a time clock? Are you there just to put the kids through school? Are you there so they can have the vehicle they want and all the fashionable clothes they want? Like, what is your purpose for being at work? Is it so that when you're sweeping the floor, someone might walk by and say, Man, this is going to sweep, serve like Christ? We ever saw Christ sweep, but and the way that they they there's something different about the way that they sold me that hamburger. There's something different about the way that you know. There's something different about the way that they just sold me that house. There's something different about the way that they that man that they clean their office. There's something different about the way they treat their employee employees. Do you work as Christ, or are you just about the bottom dollar? And I have to ask myself, am I here just to preach? Or am I here to exemplify and put up a picture of Christ? Am I here just to do some job? Am I here to talk for 30, 45 minutes? Or am I here to serve and love and live and give as Christ? 
Listen, I want to answer that. It's not hard. Yes. I don't care what your job is. When you're sweeping, sweep like Christ. When you're managing, manage like Christ. When you're building, build like Christ. When you're creating, create like Christ. When you're launching, launch like Christ. Whatever you do in your vocation, work as Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Work as an ambassador. Every day on your job should be a great day in the mission field for Christ Jesus. I'm going to read the verse and then I'm going to move on. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for me, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord. Another verse says, whatever you, whenever you eat or drink, do it all. Whether you're eating, drinking, working, sleeping, playing, whatever your deal is, do it for the glory of God. I'm going to ask the question one more time. I'm going to move on. I'm going to I'm going to move on from this point. Do you work as an ambassador for Christ or do you, you just work to climb the corporate ladder or make a little money? Why do you work this morning? Ask yourself. And then maybe ask God, God, let me work as Christ. Let me work as a personal representation of you. Let me be an ambassador. Moving on. So Christ is our example. So we are to, to work as Christ and we are to love as Christ. First John 4, 18 through 21. I share this with you often. One of my favorite pieces of scripture. For there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Listen, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he sees, key on that, sees, cannot love a God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I'm asking you two questions. I'm going to ask you in a couple different contexts. Do you love as Christ? We live in a culture, we live in a society, we live in a place that is, that is built on an idea of love, that it's, it's just receiving, right? And when we think about love, when we think about the holiday of love, we think about Valentine's Day, like the, the idea there's a billion dollar industry with random 40 pound stuffed gorillas. Because to love is to get, to be loved is to receive, right? And, and, and listen, there are people all across our culture, and it's, it's me in my own life at certain times. Love me, serve me, give to me, right? Don't we get caught up in that? Man, I told you, I'm going deep this morning. I'm going to get into your life, and we're going we're to kind of wrestle through this together. We're selfish. We're self-seekers. We've been conditioned as Americans just to be served. Just you give to me. Gratify me. I want what I want. And Christ says, whoa, 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 whoa. To love is for you to give it up for them. To love is to, to give your life and your possessions and your goods so that the gospel might be advanced. And I know that's foreign talk. I know that's crazy. Talk, bro, you're crazy. But what if we did? What would it look like if we sold the extra house or two or five or three so that someone else might know Christ and see Christ in a country where they have no Bible translation? Right? Right? Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, no, 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 I miss my house. 
I'm the same way. I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm preaching. I'm like, don't mess, don't mess with my ARs. Don't mess with my bow. Don't, me- don't, don't mess with my stuff. Yeah, God, I'll give you my life. I'm just going to keep all my things to myself. But that's not love. Because if we're to love as Christ, we have to look at him as our example. Christ willingly walked the Villa Della Rosa, the way of sorrows. He endured the cross. He endured the nails and the crown of thorns as a demonstration of the love of the Father. Scripture says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, so much so that he gave himself up for her. A lot of, a lot of husbands often like to go to that verse and says, yeah, that verse says, wives, submit to your husbands. She might if you would actually love her like Christ loved the church. If you stop trying to lord over her and begin to love her, she might want to follow you. That was free. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. That looks a lot less like strutting and a lot more like stooping. Looks a lot less like I'm the man. Do what I say. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. It looks a lot more like How can I honor you? How can I serve you? How can I give to you? How can I set you up to win? How can I foster in you an attitude to where you want to seek Christ and pursue Christ and to honor me as a husband? That's what love looks like. So I ask those two questions and I'll move on. Do you work as Christ and do you love as Christ? And not only your wives, not only your husbands, not only your kids, parents loving your kids, but your brothers and sisters in Christ all around you. The lost all around you. Do you love them? Or do you, like so many church people in Jesus' day, pass right around Samaria? Because people are a different color or a different creed or a different denomination or a different religion or politically think different than you or whatever you whatever box you want to put that in are, are you just like am I sometimes just like the Pharisees and Sadducees just like the elite good church people in Jesus day who would not walk through Samaria because they weren't going to be around those low lives those sinners those half-breeds those nobodies I want to remind you this morning that our savior the one that is our example walked right through the middle of Samaria We're not called to walk and skirt around issues or other races or other belief systems that we dislike. We are called to engage and to love and to serve. And if you don't like that this morning, take it up with the Holy Spirit. It's a heart problem. Because that's the truth. So we are to work as Christ. We are to love as Christ. I want you to hear this from Justin Martin. Yeah, uh, Justin Martyr. Listen to this. We who used to value the 
acquisition of wealth and possessions more than anything else. Now bring what we have into a common fund and share it with anyone who is in need. We used to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or another country. Now, because of Christ, we live together with such people and we pray for our enemies. That's what love fosters. When we follow Christ as our example, as we honor Christ, as we set Him as the theme and the goal and the treasure of our lives, we begin to be like Him. And you're called to love as Christ. So we're called to work as Christ, love as Christ, listen, to follow as Christ. Matthew 16, 24 says this, Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. Listen, I want you to hear this. The way that we follow the leadership of God and the leadership of those who God has placed over us has the ability to echo the gospel to the world. The way that we follow God And the way that we follow those who God has put in a leadership position in our lives, that has the ability to echo the gospel to the world. Let me show you kind of how it changed the world. God the Father had a mandate that God the Son would come to earth and take on sinful flesh, and He would die on the cross. He would end that act be the propitiation for our sin, the atonement, if you will, the ransom, the the. The substitution, right? It was your cross and my cross. And Christ removed us from the cross and put Himself there so that we could enjoy heaven and eternity and the riches of knowing Him. So check this out. Our followership can lead someone else to Christ. Our followership can put the glory of the gospel on display. And I want to show you how. God the Father has a mandate. Jesus, you're going to die. Jesus comes as God and as man. He dies on the cross. And then check this out. His followership to the Father... His obedience to the Father's command, even when he didn't like it, right? Oh, that you would let this cup pass from me. Oh, that you would, you, if there's another way, let's do it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he followed the mandate of God the Father, and in obedience went to the cross, redeemed sinful Men and women. And listen, his disciples, those guys that he poured into for a few years, they followed him. And all but one was martyred for the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom. And listen, the church blew up. The gospel began to advance and to spread all over the world because these men and these women and these families had been so radically redeemed and transformed by this Jesus guy who died on a cross that they would sell everything that they have, that they would give up their lives, that they would give up their comfort, that they would give up their safety, that they would be willing to throw into the into the cage with tigers or, or, or Roman soldiers and be beaten with. All these guys are willing to do all this because they've been loved by God. They're following this guy. Maybe, maybe we should follow him too. Right? All these guys found something in this, in this Jesus that they're all willing to give up everything that they have just to have him. Maybe we should follow them as they follow him. Listen, the way that you follow God and the way that you follow those in leadership that God has placed in leadership and serve you well, the way that you follow them and follow God can lead someone else to Christ. Do you hear me? You say, TJ, are you sure? Yeah, the, the way you walk into the workplace, 
The way that even when your boss or people around you, coworkers, hey, do this, could you do this? The way that you follow. The way that you humbly serve. The way that you're attentive. The way that you don't say random stuff behind their back when they walk out of the room or out of the, the lounge area. The way that you honor those in leadership in your life can lead someone else to Christ. Because you know what we live in? We live in a culture that has no idea what it means to follow with honor. We live in a culture that it's lost. It's lost on my generation what it means to really follow. I'm going to read it one more time. I'm going to pass on. The way that we follow the leadership of God and the leadership of those who God has placed over us has the ability to echo the gospel to the world. Last point in this section this morning, to lead is Christ. Every single one of us, we're all following somebody, but at the same time, we're all leaders. We're all leading someone, meaning that the decisions and the choices that you and I make are having an effect on someone's life. They, they're helping them maybe turn a left or turn a right or encourage them or discourage them. So hear this. In the book of Luke, I'm going to read you this verse. In the book of Luke, chapter 22, Luke 22, bear with me. Verse 24. A dispute also arose among them, this is the disciples arguing, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let, listen, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? Listen, but I am among you as the one who serves. If Christ is our example and we are to live as Christ, for us to live is Christ. That means for us to, to lead is Christ. And the way that we lead is through servanthood. The way that we lead is through submission to God. And I want to show you a picture this morning. I want, to, I want to help you see this tangibly. Because we think, no, for me to lead, I mean, we, for me to lead is for me to be out front, for me to be the loudest voice, for me to be telling everyone what to do. That's the way that we lead, right? And that's why, it's, man, when you read that verse, wives submit to your husbands, husbands, you're the leadership of the household. When you hear those things, because preachers have butchered that text and beat men and women over the head with, that, with, with, with those texts, and they've really perverted in so many ways. We just kind of cringe when we hear that. Why? Because we look at leadership as just like I painted. I'm the one out leading. I'm the one out. I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you where to go. And this is what leadership should look like. It should look like three umbrellas. If we want to lead as Christ, it should look like three umbrellas. The foundational umbrella is Christ. This is how we lead in Christ. And in Christ is the husband, the father, the, the wife. You're in Christ, You're the, the boss, right? The company owner, team captain. You, you have Christ here, and then you have whoever you are leading. You're resting in Christ, and then everyone else and everything else has the ability to rest on you, to trust in you, not because you're telling them what to do, but because you're surrendered and resting in Christ. That's how you lead. The measure of a leader is not how many people will flinch when he raises his voice. The measure of a leader is how many will trust and run to stand behind him when the bullets start to fly. 
You hear me? We run to Christ because we know he's the good protector. He leads us well. Would anyone run to you this morning? Would anyone throw their life behind yours knowing that you're willing to take a bullet for them for the sake of Christ? Because we work as Christ. We love as Christ. We follow as Christ. And we lead as Christ. Because the Christ in us, the Christ that we have to offer, the Jesus that has redeemed us and saved us is the only hope for this world. He's the only hope for the world. He's the only hope for us. So I'm, I'm asking you this morning, as a friend, as a preacher, as one of your pastors, I'm asking you this morning, have you surrendered your life to Christ in such a way That you're living as Christ. Can it be said of you? For me to go to work tomorrow is for me to go to work tomorrow as Christ. For me to walk into my home, for me to parent is not for me to parent for my own benefit, but I want to parent as Christ. I want to love my wife. I want to love my husband as Christ. I want to lead my family as Christ. I want to follow his example. I want the statement, listen, I say that because I want the statement to be true of my own life. I want it to be true of you. I want it to be true of our church. I want it to be true of every Christian that ever breathes. For us to live as Christ and to die as gain. Listen, we're going to kick the bucket one day. We're going to circle the drain and it's all going to be over. But while we live, let's endeavor to live as Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we trust you this morning. You are so faithful and so good. And God, I, I just ask you this morning, as we, as we honor you, Lord, as we, as we lift you up, as, we, as we've lifted you up in the text today, God, I pray that you would, you would help us ask ourselves, do we love, do we work, do we, do we follow, do we lead, do we serve, do we, we, do we do that as Christ or do we do it all with selfish motives? Lord, we want to live as Christ. We want to serve like you. We want to love like you. We want to live like you. God, we just want to, we want to know you and know you more. We want it to flesh itself out through obedience and followership. God, help us today. I'm praying for myself on behalf of our church and of your whole church globally. Help us to live as Christ.